0: Hey guys, just real quick, I want to apologize for the poor sound quality. We did just get new microphones, so we are still in the process of learning how to use them. Also, I apparently had sick brain the past two episodes because I didn't realize I was recording from the wrong microphone. So just bear with us and our sound will improve. Thanks for listening.
1: That's Rachel.
0: That's Grace. Welcome to our podcast.
1: Yes, myths and Misfortunes.
0: We are a paranormal and true crime podcast.
1: Uh, Each week, we pick somewhere in the world and base
0: our stories on that place. And or surrounding areas.
1: There's so
0: many. Yes, and Rachel's still sick. And I'm still sick. It's the after-holidays crud. Still. Still. Yes. Always. Where are we today? Today we are in Warwick, Rhode Island. Yeah, when we,
1: uh, you messaged me and you're like, did we have something planned for Rhode Island? Because the way that we used to do things was just like, we would just, I would just pick a random place on the Google, or what was it? It was like random street view or something. Something, yeah. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, that sure, that sounds interesting. And then I would just put it on there. But then we started, like, picking things, and, like, depending on what we would pick and who was going to do it, since we have an order to who does the, like, true crime and who does the paranormal, i have to space them out a certain way. But, so, that one just got left there. Yeah. So.
0: It got left, and Rachel was very confused.
1: Yeah, and I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. I probably have something written down for it. I didn't.
0: Okay. Not at all. I didn't either. Okay. So my sources are wikipedia.com and warwickhistory.com. Warwick, Rhode Island is a city located in Kent County, Rhode Island. It is the second largest city in the state with an estimated population of 82,672 as of 2012. Hmm. Warwick was founded in 1642 by Samuel Gorton. The chief of the indigenous tribe, Narragansett, sold Samuel Gorton, the land that later became the present-day towns of Coventry hmm. and West Warwick, for 144 fathoms. Fathoms? Fathoms of Wampum. Wampum. Is it What? Wampum is the um, you know those shell necklaces. Mm-hmm. It's the the shell. Oh. Yeah, the really pretty ir- iridescent, a small cylindrical bead made from North American Indian peoples from shells. Oh,
1: together. oh, so it is similar to what I thought, <coughs> but it's like purple. Yes. Okay.
0: Cool. In 1648, a charter was granted for the lands by Robert Rich, who was the Earl of Warwick and governor in chief for the colonies. Hmm. In 1772, local patriots boarded the British revenue cutter HMS Gatsby. Sure. I'm pretty sure it's Gatsby. And shot the British commanding officer, Lieutenant Thuddingston. Okay. They shot him with a musket ball while he was resisting the capture of his ship. Oh. The ship was then stripped of all of its weapons and burned. Luckily, Duddingston was only wounded, and he did not die there. The only reason this is important is because it was was the first British bloodshed in Rhode Uh, Island. Ah, gotcha. During the Revolution, militiamen from Warwick participated in the Battles of Montreal, Quebec, Saratoga, Monmouth, Trenton, and Rhode Island, and were even present during the surrender of Yorktown. Hmm. After the war, Warwick, along with the rest of Rhode Island, voted against the ratification of the Constitution Hmm. because it did not have a Bill of Rights at the time. Ah, Apparently, when President George Washington was inaugurated, his journey from New York to Boston, it had to go around oh. the entire state oh, of Rhode Island. Because right. they had Rhode Island had claimed themselves an independent and sovereign republic. Due to the readily available water power, Warwick was able to enter the Industrial Revolution as a major textile manufacturing center. Fun hmm. fact... The well-known brand Fruit of the Loom was founded in Warwick. By the end of the 19th century, Warwick was one of the wealthiest cities in the state. It was then incorporated as a city in 1931 and elected its first mayor the following year. One last fact here for, you know, the paranormal lovers. The famous Ghost Hunters team, Tabs, was founded in Warwick in 1990 by Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson. And that is the history of Warwick, Rhode Island.
1: I'm loving these short histories that we're finding. Me too. <laughs> we gotta keep that up.
0: What is your story today?
1: Alright, today... So, let me first do my sources. Yes. We have turntoten.com, patriotledger.com. Oh, Turn to Ten, it's the, um, it's one of the news places. Oh, okay. There's patriotledger.com, another Turn to Ten article warwickpost.com, W-P-R-I dot and Reddit.
0: Yay, Reddit. I'm just getting
1: really into Reddit lately. Apparently. I, I try to avoid it sometimes. Apparently. But I found some interesting things in there. All right, so I'm doing the murder of Carrie Mello. Oh. Yes. So on August 20th, 2015... Two fishermen discovered a dismembered torso in the ocean off Westport, Massachusetts. Gross. Yes. At first, this really threw me off, because when I was looking into it, I saw Westport, Massachusetts, and I was like, um, I'm supposed to be in Rhode Island. Did I fuck up? (laughs) I did not. So, the salt water had washed away the skin's pigment. Oh. Yes. So, the body, the skin color was just milky white. Ew. Um to Detective Adam Kennett of the Rhode Island State Police. Yeah, the torso was wrapped in plastic when the fishermen found it, so they didn't know what it was until they opened it. Oh. Yeah, so no arms, no legs, no head. Two days later, a severed pair of legs wrapped up in a piece of black tarp washed up on a beach in Little Compton. A tattoo, the letter K in Old English script, helped the police identify uh, the victim as Carrie Mello, Uh oh. Cranston father of three who had vanished ten days earlier. His mother Priscilla had reported him missing. I saw two separate things on this saying one that his mother reported him missing and another saying that his girlfriend reported him missing. I'm not sure. Okay. But his mother said it was highly unusual for him not to call her for something. So Mello, who had served time for drug delivery, uh, survived an attempt on his life in 2009 when a regular customer and two other people shot him and stole his large cocaine delivery in cranston so the police thought that his uh, death might have been drug related mm-hmm. and by late october mellow's car was found abandoned in boston yeah weird right That's very weird. So Rhode Island State Police took over the investigative lead and developed a suspect, one of his friends, drug lord wannabe named Jamie... (laughs) Sorry, drug lord (laughs) wannabe. Drug lord wannabe, (laughs) he is. Uh, Named Jamie Barriera and his two friends, Frank Concepcion and Greg... Greg, not Craig, Greg Bastillo. Bastillo? Bastillo? Detective Kennett said that Barriera tried to take on this persona of, like, Tony Soprano. <laughs> and he had big aspirations of being a marijuana kingpin in Rhode Island. He thought he was going to be a big boss. Oh, of course. And he was not wrong. When Barriera was 20, he tried to bribe a Providence police officer with $1,000 to ignore 19 bags of cocaine in his pockets. 19! <laughs> Yeah. Either way, it didn't work, but the cocaine dealing charge was pleaded down and he didn't serve prison time for it.
0: Okay. Well, you know, that's something. Right.
1: Beria later got his state medical marijuana card as a caregiver and bragged on social media about selling to a compassion center. Frank Concepcion, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, I hope I am, was 19 when he beat and robbed a student from Johnson and Wales University. No. Yeah. He later went to prison for dealing crack cocaine in Providence. (coughs) Greg Bastillo, who also goes by Craig, (laughs) was the first American-born child after his family arrived from Honduras. He had multiple brushes with the law as a teen, and as an adult, his record included charges for marijuana, cocaine, heroin, car theft, and domestic assault. Lovely. Yeah. His mother actually wrote letters to judges and the then mayor of Warwick for leniency. While working at the State Department of Transportation's Office of Civil Rights, she tried to get contractors to hire him. Instead, he went to federal prison for dealing crack cocaine and having a gun. Lovely. Yeah. After his release, Bastilla worked from 2011 to 2013 as a street worker at the Institute for the Study and Practice of Nonviolence, and the executive director, P.J. Fox, there said that he connected with the younger people. <laughs> he also started True Quality Construction and was hired as a subcontractor to lace concrete sidewalks by the city. In March of that year, the city of Providence approved his bid on a $15,000 job reviewing affordable housing developments. The city canceled the contract because Bastillo didn't do the work. One contractor told the Providence police that he fired Bastillo for substandard work, and Bastillo retaliated with unfounded complaints to OSHA. OSHA. Yeah. (laughs) Bastillo's mother still believes in him and says that he's just not capable of hurting anyone.
0: Oh no. Why would he be?
1: So, what happened? On July 4th, 2015, Jamie Barriera was frantically texting friends because someone had stolen 30 pounds of high-quality marijuana and cash from a state-permitted grow operation in Warwick on Byfield Street. So, 30 pounds. Let me tell you. Here, according to people I know, not me, I don't buy things, but... (laughs) I don't buy things. I've been told that an ounce... I believe or is it half an ounce I think like half an ounce is like 120 or something depending oh, on who you no get it idea. from and so that's half an ounce hmm imagine 30 pounds
0: mm.
1: yeah so Barriera suspected that it was an inside job he texted Carrie Mello that the thief is on thin ice And the suspicion quickly turned to Mello himself. So, Barriera began surveilling Carrie Mello, watching where he was coming and going from, including his home. So, text messages show that Barriera lured Mello back into the group with a summer cookout while he secretly plotted his death. Lovely. Yes, Barriera also texted a rat emoji in the words, hook, line, and sinker to Concepcion. Mello was executed on August 10th. Detective Kennett said that they suspected that his body was dumped out at sea somewhere on the area of Block Island, but state police needed evidence. So a bunch of Barrier's properties were searched, so his house on Louisiana Avenue in Warwick and his rented home on Stone Avenue, both empty. They did a search on his Nissan truck, his boat, and the warehouse where he had his grow operation. Mm -hmm. Police finally found the crime scene they were looking for on Shannon Drive at Jamie's father's home. So, Detective Kennett said that they got some surprises when they executed the search warrant on Barriere's father, Albert's home. The entire kitchen had been gutted. Nice. In Albert Barriere's backyard, detectives searched for tool sheds and hundreds of potential murder weapons, and then they found a cut-up black tarp. When rolled out, li- the cut lines match perfectly to the tarp that the legs that washed up on the beach were wrapped in.
0: Yes. Compelling. Yes.
1: And it was the same exact material. So, State Police Forensic Services Unit also tested tiny stains found on two wooden chairs in Albert Barriere's basement. The blood splatter matched Carrie Mello's DNA. In all, police used 73 search warrants to crack the case, utilizing cell phone and internet data to retrace the movements of the suspects. It was discovered that Carrie Mello went to meet Jamie Barriera, Albert Barriera, and Concepcion at Albert's home in Warwick. The group were meeting to discuss a medical marijuana-growing operation. Mm -hmm. When he arrived, Mello was physically assaulted by Jamie Barriera, resulting in his death. Mello's body was then cut into pieces with a handsaw. Ew. Yeah, the rest of them wrapped up, wrapped the body parts in a tarp and drove to a marina in Warwick where Jamie kept his powerboat. The attorney general's office said Bastillo drove Mello's car to Boston to cover up the murder. Jamie Barry Era and Albert, the and Conception put the body on the boat, drove out to sea, and dumped Mello's body. On the night of the murder, surveillance cameras from a nearby restaurant captured Jamie Barrier's truck and Conception's car driving to Barrier's boat in Warwick at about 9.30 p.m. And four hours later, both are seen driving away from the boat. And um, Detective Kennett said Jamie Barrier was talking all summer in his text messages about not using the boat, how he couldn't afford to use the boat, that he had no money based upon the robbery. And yet on the night of the homicide, they saw him going out to the boat at nighttime and taking it out.
0: Mm. Well,
1: Priscilla Mello, Carrie's mother, said that Jamie Barriera sent her flowers after her son's body was identified. Hmm. Yeah, she even returned the gesture with a thank you card. So like, fuck him. Yeah, very much fuck him. Yeah. All right. So the case went to grand jury, and Frank Concepcion, thirty-three helped the police, but was sentenced to serve 20 years in prison. Greg Bastillo, 38, was sentenced to two and a half years in prison for ditching Mello's car in Boston, and he's already been released for time served. Meanwhile, 63-year-old Albert Barriera pleaded no contest to conspiracy to commit felony assault, and will serve 10 years in prison for his role in mutilating Mello's body. Oh, good. Family friend and Albert Barriera's roommate, Louis Jeremia, Jeremiah. 64, got 10 years with four to serve and the remainder suspended with probation because he helped. Okay. Yeah. Jamie Barriera, the ringleader, obviously, was sentenced to a total of 70 years with 35 to serve and the remainder suspended with probation. The victim's mother, Priscilla Mello, told Eyewitness News that the sentencing brought her some satisfaction, but the pain of her son's death is still there, obviously. hmm She said... I'm thankful that I didn't have to go through some long, drawn-out trial in order to come to some conclusion because their fate would have been in the hands of 12 people. In this case, it was just pretty shut and closed. Yeah. Open, shut, closed? What? What's the saying? Pretty open and shut? Open and shut. It it was fast. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Open and closed? So, the shittiest thing of all is that Someone else entirely has come forward since uh, Carrie Mello's death and confessed to police to stealing Jamie Barrier's pot and his money. Carrie Mello had no involvement whatsoever. Oh my god. Yeah.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. So. So there's like, there's really no justification for any of it. No. I mean, like, there's never justification for that. Right, but. but on top of that like it wasn't even him. Yeah. So,
1: Reddit happened again. Thank you Reddit. I just wanted to see if I could find any more information on this. Um because I felt like I didn't have a lot. So this person whose name on Reddit is Fine Gary Matthias, Matthias posted something that I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. on June 4th. So all of this happened in 2015 yeah. on June 4th, 2014. The torso of an African-American male was found on a beach in Sandwich, Massachusetts with his head and all four limbs missing, uh. just like with Carrie Mello. Yeah. It's believed that the man was around around six feet tall and weighed between 220 and 230 pounds. And his body was found on the beach uh, wrapped in a blue tarp and was attached to a moving dolly behind one of those like concrete like jersey barriers. You know what that is? No, just a giant concrete barrier. There was also a surgical scar, but it wasn't related to the murder. Another identifying feature was a company shirt he was wearing. It said, Cranston Windustrial Company, mm. which is located in Warwick, Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yeah. Yeah, and Warwick, Rhode Island is under a 90-minute drive from Sandwich. Mm, that's...
0: Wonderful.
1: So this find Gary Mathias seems to think that it might be related, that it might be a murder done by the same men before they realized that they needed a better way to dispose of a body. Mm-hmm. So they dumped the body. It was in Cape Cod across state lines. They may, may have been trying to throw off investigators or they might've been interrupted when trying to move the body and they had to abandon it. This person said that maybe they didn't have access to a boat in 2014 or realize that dumping it in plain sight attracted too much attention because that torso on the beach was really big news. Mm. And then they posit the question, was Mello not the first murder committed by some or all of these men?
0: I mean, it's not the first time a torso has showed up.
1: No, but they just thought it was really interesting that it was, like, almost the exact same, like, all of the limbs Mm -hmm. were... Missing the head was missing. It was wrapped in a tarp, mm. and it had a T-shirt
0: that was from a company from a company in Warwick. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I still feel like it's probably someone else did it. I don't know,
1: but okay. it just seems really interesting. I just had to throw that in there. So,
0: good little interesting tidbit.
1: Yes, that was my story. The murder of Carrie Mello.
0: Wow. Yes. Yes. My turn. My story is Sprague Mansion, and my sources are DreadCentral.com dot com, <laughs> Wikipedia dot com, dot com, hmm. Haunts of America dot blogspot dot com, What When How dot com, go dot com, and an episode of Ghost Hunters. Of course. so i really didn't find any stories in warwick oh yeah i thought i did and then it turned out it was in um whatever that city's name is (laughs) starts with a p providence yeah providence that it was in providence so i didn't want to do that i found one that was like 16 minutes outside of warwick though
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i think that's why we uh We've been trying to pick ones that, like, we know there's something there. Yeah. And why we don't just pick random places on a random street view anymore. Because it's
0: really hard to find a surrounding area. (laughs) Yeah. But also, you know, it's Rhode Island. It's an old state. There's so much history. I
1: think that's why I expected it to be easy for us to find (laughs) something.
0: Nope. Apparently not. Well... The building was originally a small farmhouse that was built in roughly 1790 by William Sprague for his family.
1: Sprague. Sprague.
0: Well, it's spelled like Sprague, but when I was watching Ghost Hunters, said... They said Sprague? Yeah. Huh. I bet they said it wrong. Well, it was the mansion people. I bet they said it wrong. <laughs> I mean, they might have. Sprague. While it might be a sprawling mansion today. It had some very meager beginnings. Oh, I mean, little tiny, little tiny farmhouse. William Sprague, at the time of the house being built, owned a grist mill. A what? I have no idea what a grist a, mill is. A grist grist, G R I S T. I'm assuming some sort of corn or oat.
1: Um. It uh, grinds cereal grain into flour and
0: middlings. So yeah, oat, oh, corn. He turned said grist mill. Oh, there's a grist mill here. Yes. There are a couple. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. We have a lot of corn. Mm. Oh. Yeah. He turned said grist mill into a textile mill. Oh. The family business then boomed. Their textile mill was among the first to use a process called chemical bleaching. Oh, yeah. They were also one of the first to print calico patterns on cotton fabric.
1: Hmm.
0: Their business, then called Cranston Print Works, became one of the most important businesses in Cranston. Upon William's death, his two sons, William II and Amasa, took over the family business. Ameza concentrated on running the family business while William became a senator. Oh. Yeah. During this time, Ameza began expanding the house to include the wings that can be so commonly recognized today. The enormous size of the house enabled the family to entertain guests and influential people. Everything was going really well with the family, both politically and financially, until December of 18th. 1843.
1: Yeah, I was waiting for that until.
0: (coughs) Well, I mean, at one point, they were the richest family in America. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Bring it all down. Yeah, bringing it all down. One morning, in December, Amasa left the mansion on business to Johnston. However, he never made it. Oh. The following morning, his body was found bludgeoned to death and mauled by a dog. Oh, shit. He was left on the side of the road within... Within eyesight of the house. Oh, damn. Apparently, an Irish immigrant by the name of John Gordon, who is also a worker at the mansion, was seen arguing with Ameza the day of his death, like, before he left the house. Oh. John Gordon was tried and found guilty without, literally. What? Without any evidence.
1: He was mauled by a dog.
0: Well, he was bludgeoned, too. Oh, Yeah. Oh, Oh, Uh, so the dog
1: was just picking out the leftovers.
0: Yeah. But anyway, he was found guilty without evidence and hanged in 1845. Wow. However, evidence came to light later that proved him innocent, of course. Wow, wow. This actually led to legislation abolishing capital punishment in Rhode Island. Oh. In Rhode Island. Island. Wow. While the actual killer was never found, some scholars apparently believe that Mays's brother was the real murderer. Oh. It is thought that John Gordon is one of the spirits haunting the mansion due to his wrongful death. Yeah, yeah. After his brother's death, William resigned from the Senate and returned home in order to manage the family business. Mm. However, William II wasn't the only Sprague who took on politics. William IV who was Amaze's son, mm-hmm. and William the Sixth were both governors of Rhode Island. Good
1: God, how many Williams do you fucking need?
0: Apparently, a lot. Jeez, they weren't very original. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, William the Sixth actually fought in the first battle of Bull Run. Oh. In 1971, the house slash mansion was added to the National Register of Historic Places. Hmm. On to the paranormal. Yes. The first sighting of a spirit is from the early 1900s. A man in black was seen walking down a staircase.
1: That's always fun.
0: Oh, it's so fun. It is believed that this man is a maze. Mm-hmm. The same apparition has been seen in a wine cellar and even felt in the cold gusts of air. Mm. That, yeah. After the mansion. I was going to say, at least he doesn't have tentacles. At least you know that I'm too good. Yeah. (laughs) After the mansion was purchased by the Cranston Historical Society, a member who was volunteering his time working in what was known as the doll room (laughs) saw something white and filmy. Also, in the doll room, people would take photographs of the room and would find that the doll's eyes
1: no. Would be moved. No.
0: In the no, no, no! Absolutely not. I hate dolls for that reason. Mm. There are apparently a lot of appearances in the wine cellar. Mm. People have felt someone brush by them. On one occasion, a man felt a filmy white thing. Oh! I don't know how you feel. How do you feel the color a white? A filmy white thing. But anyway, he felt it brush against his arm. There are also numerous reports of people feeling a hand, just kind of lightly gripping their shoulder. Kind of like, well, no, like, when you have a friend and they give you a good old pat on the shoulder back type thing. Creepy. Very, well, guys do it. Yep. (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) I meant as a ghost. (laughs) As a goat, yes. I said ghost I said goat Oh
1: yeah I'd be (laughs) super freaked out If a goat just like grabbed my shoulder I'd be real freaked out
0: Well if you're crouched down
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just advice
0: (laughs) Okay there have been sightings Of a woman lost Very deep in thought She's often seen in Attractive dress Mm. I don't know what attractive dresses. Big titty? I don't know. Well, you gotta think, like 1800s dress.
1: Yeah, you can have big titties in the 1800s.
0: Okay. Um, Attractive dress standing by a mirror in the ballroom. Hmm. She has apparently very rarely acknowledged others in the room. And it is thought that this could be Kate Chase, who is the first lady of the house. Oh,
1: very antisocial. I dig it.
0: Yep, me too. There have been sightings in mirrors all over the house. I found one picture of folklorist and author Michael Bell, where he was standing in front of a buffet type cabinet in one of mm-hmm. the bedrooms. You know, the ones that have the shelves and the glass, and but then they have the buffet. Yeah. And- Yeah. The photographer had asked him to put on one of the hats that was sitting on the bed so that they could get a picture. But when they took the photo, you can see a woman in period clothing in the glass behind him. And to me, it kind of looked like she was drinking tea or something. Because in the picture, she has her hand kind of raised. Uh, What was his hand, but her hand was kind of raised.
1: I mean, that's fairly common. People say mirrors are
0: uh, Mm -hmm. windows for... The soul, yes. Yes, or whatever, yes. Speaking of mirrors, it's not just glass that the apparitions appear in. Spirits also make their presences known by showing up behind guests while they're looking in mirrors. One spirit is that of Charlie the Butler. Hmm. He really wasn't known about until 1967. A guy by the name of Bob Lynch Jr., And some of his classmates from Brown University were doing a night watchman duty in the mansion. Sure. Yeah. Right after it had been purchased by the Cranston Historical Society. The young men claimed that strange thing had been... Strange thing. Strange thing been happen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That strange things had been happening to them during their stay there. Blankets had been thrown off of the bed, and each boy claimed that it wasn't them joking around. They stupidly Mm. created a makeshift Ouija board. No! Why? The first thing it said to the boys, tell my story. What? No? Apparently, they got in contact with someone who had a story that wanted to be told. The spirit called himself Charlie and he had been a butler to one of the families who lived in the mansion after the Spragas left. Mm. He had high hopes that his daughter would be married to the son of the wealthy family that he served. However, that didn't happen. Mm. And he was super upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) Even in the afterlife. The Ouija apparently kept spelling out my land, my land, my land. Obviously, this is when I just stopped the conversation with him. Yeah. (laughs) Charlie the butler's spirit became very popular, and apparently a Halloween party is thrown in his honor now. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Sorry your daughter couldn't get a husband with the rich family, bud. We're gonna throw you a party.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But in October 2002, at the very first Charlie the Butler ghost party, a group of women snuck off with a Ouija board into the old parlor. Oh. Apparently, in that parlor, there was an oil painting of Theola Lynch, the person who had saved the mansion from being flattened into nothing but rubble. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Uh, In 1960, the house had sat vacant for so long. The city wanted to level it uh. in order to build a multi story retirement community. Oh, okay. Her husband Bob had hung that picture with love uh. when Viola had died earlier that year. The ladies knew none of this, by the way. Oh. During their Ouija board session, apparently the board gave them the letters VL, mm-hmm. which was. Viola's initials. Right. Her message that had accompanied her initials were, Tell Bob I need him. Oh. In October of 2002, Bob had been super active and in great health. However, on February 8th, 2003, he died suddenly. Oh, dang. So. That ghost killed him. Or, he missed his wife so much that oh, yeah. he slowly deteriorated. And yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Another spirit that is commonly seen, is that of a woman in a cupola on the outside of the house. That This one I can't explain. <laughs> okay. Like, it's the outside of the house.
1: Maybe it was a woman that was just, like, trying to get in but never could.
0: Maybe. During the investigation by Ghost Hunters in two thousand. I think I have the year wrong. I wrote oh. 2007. Mm. Could be earlier. Oh. Jason and Grant were in the wine cellar, and Jason felt something crawling up his back. Ew. Like, and he thought that it was a spider, so obviously <gasps> he was like, okay, Jason, or Jason, Grant, will you check, see if you see anything? They saw nothing. Mm. The same thing happened to Steve Gonzalez and up in the governor's room. Mm-hmm. And again, they saw nothing. I don't like that. That's uh-uh.
1: a. That's a. I want to punch that ghost in the face.
0: You really won't like this part. Jason and Grant also hear breathing uh. while they are in the wine cellar. Nope. And an EVP was caught of a person breathing in the governor's room. Gross. When no one had been in that room for over an hour. Cool. 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 Yeah. Cool. When Jason felt felt the spider going up the back of his neck again. They find a cold spot right behind him that then proceeds to move behind Grant, and then they both follow the cold spot all around the room until it finally stops and disappears.
1: I wish you all could see the look on my face. It's so gross. I don't like that.
0: It's fantastic.
1: Because I'm just like, <clears throat> it's making me feel something crawl up the back of my neck. No. <laughs>
0: Steve then closes himself inside of the doll room. No. And feels what he said was a cloth rub up against his leg. No. So the ghost hunters tapped team didn't catch a lot of physical evidence, mm-hmm. but they got tons of personal experiences. Okay. And for me, that kind of is enough. Cause a lot of people don't believe in something until they feel it themselves. Yeah, that's my story. That's the Sprague Mansion, um, Sprague House. Sprague I like Mansion. that,
1: and I don't like that simultaneously. It's fantastic.
0: It's and, uh, oh, by the way, it's a uh, the historical historical society. Mm-hmm. You can visit it. Oh, cool! 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 cool. I didn't not get the address. Google it. <laughs> Google it. You know how to do that. Yeah.
1: You're you smart know how to
0: people. Use you can do it. <laughs> but anyway, that is that's my story. I enjoyed watching Ghost Hunters again for the first time in a while. Mm,
1: yeah, I think the only time I ever watch any sort of like ghost show or whatever is, is, what is when I'm here. Yeah, it's
0: because I'm constantly watching them.
1: That's literally all you watch. Yeah.
0: Okay. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Myths and Misfortunes, or Twitter at Myths Misfortune.
1: Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes, will pop up.
0: You can also send us an email to misfortunes at gmail.com.
1: Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright. Our art was created by Heather Murray Atkins.
0: Their websites can be found in the descriptions below. Please, we implore you, rate, review, subscribe. We implore you. Also,
1: email us.
0: Oh, yeah, please email us. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Yes, yes. Goodbye. Bye.